Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Mavs up 43-30 on the Suns now. We just had a little uh, little scuffle, Ryan. A little scuffle, not too much. Grant Williams is uh, an instigator. He's one of those guys, right? It's one of the reasons why the Mavs wanted him, right? Great defender. Yeah. You know, he's uh, so he... Basically, just knocked Kevin Durant down and did the whole, like, let me walk over you and step over you and stand there. Yusuf Nurkic came in and just pushed the hell out of Grant Williams. Grant Williams goes up and lowers his shoulder into him. and So, yeah, that's what we have going on right here now. Uh, Mavs up 13, though, at least on top of that. So, Suns, it's going to take the Suns this entire season to figure it out. And then some. That's part of the issue. It's like, you can't put three guys together. Durant and Booker have barely played together. Then you throw Bradley Beal into the mix, and then these guys miss time because they're hurt. People need to get ready. Like, the Suns might be in the play-in tournament because they just won't be out there consistently enough developing chemistry. They are figuring some things out, though. You know what I mean? I mean like, some, for the Suns, but... I feel like they only need to be, like, a top-six seed. They just have to avoid the play-in, I would argue. You know? Yeah, I mean, listen, they had a five-game win. We're talking about, you know, uh, then they... I think it should still be a five-game win streak. Look, I get it, right? Like, yes... They are a team, yeah, they've won six now. I was going to say it wasn't five anymore because they won again. So they have won six straight, and I understand that. But there's going to be ups and downs with this team. But they are talented. And that's, yeah. you know, sometimes that's talent gets you a certain place in the NBA, and it's called the playoffs still no matter. Look at Luka, a little step back. It's just so pretty. I mean, it's just so, come on, guy. How, how can we not, how can people not appreciate this? Those Mavs jerseys are weird. Does Lucas still hate the Suns now that it's kind of a... Well, yeah, because Devin Booker... Yeah, Devin Booker. Yeah, so that's what makes this even better. So it's rivalry week in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, we got those rivalry games. NBA's trying, man. They're trying to do the best they can, right? Yeah. I mean, guys playing, that's all we ask for, though, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Anthony Davis being questionable. We're getting that report while he's he's in San Francisco bouncing around in (laughs) an Aaron Jones jersey. Are you still fighting with people that don't think Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time already? No, it's just just like this thing keeps popping up. There's this one guy that's like really pissed off about it. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, Cody Tapp luckily joins us right now. 610 Sports in Kansas City. Uh, Yeah, so Ryan's dealing with the the people that think uh, Patrick Mahomes isn't the greatest quarterback of all time. That's on Instagram. So that's going on behind the scenes. I would say this. For what he's been able to do, even with really the worst year statistically of his career with those wide receivers that he's got, I regularly call them the walking brain farts because they're always making mistakes left and right. I think it's a testament, Cody, to how damn good he is because he's in an AFC title game with, I do like Rasheed Rice, but an aging Travis Kelsey and scraps after that. It's, It's so weird the way people view him. You know that so the MVP winner, we all know that. If you were betting, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes has more total yards, uh, more total touchdowns, the same amount of turnovers. The only difference is a little bit in the win-loss this year by a game or two, and it was close late. That's it. Other than that, Patrick Mahomes' down year is the MVP year for Lamar Jackson. It's kind of how I view uh, whether or not anyone wants to view him as not the best quarterback in the league. What do you think about this matchup this week, though, for the Chiefs on the offensive side of the ball going against this Ravens defense? You know, top five, pretty much every metric. Um, you know, who do you expect to have a big game for Kansas City? I figure Travis Kelsey will probably finish anywhere with like seven to eight catches in this game for 150 yards and two touchdowns because that's what he does. But uh, what matchup do you like and what scares you the most coming up on that side of the ball? I'll give you that on Kelsey, by the way. He averages over 90 yards in a score, I think, in this playoff career. So pretty safe to assume. Yeah. Travis Kelsey will be up. I, I worry a little bit about it, but because the Chiefs are playing better offense over the last two games, honest, honestly, probably maybe the two best two-game stretch they've had all year, 
I assume Pacheco will be big, Rasheed Rice, and Travis Kelsey. Outside of that, I don't expect anyone to have big games. They find an excuse to throw it to MVS or throw it to McColl, or in previous parts of the year, they might have thrown it to Sky Moore, who's hurt, or Tony. But they'll find a way to give it to Justin Watson or one of those other ancillary players once or twice, but they've accepted one very obvious thing that the rest of us knew about their offense the rest of the way. Only three players outside of Mahomes matter. Pacheco, Kelsey, Rice. Assume those three guys get a huge bulk of the work and then everyone else maybe picks up the scraps. I don't mind any time touchdowns for random players because, look, Andy will give it to McCall Hartman at the goal line whether he fumbles it or not. But honestly, the same three players are who will be big for Chiefs. You know, Isaiah Pacheco, we saw the flashes last year and there were moments where I was like, why is he not getting the ball more? Why is he not getting more touches? I'm sure you guys talked about that plenty there. And it was kind of felt like the same way this year until, uh, from my eyes, outside looking in. I've watched every game, but not, you know, to the level that you guys obviously are there talking about this team nonstop. Has it felt like more recently they finally understood what they have in Isaiah Pacheco? Or has that kind of been trending in this direction for a while? Not for, well, maybe like a halfway point of the season, I felt mm-hmm. that way. Because I'll, I'll be honest, one, one of the bets both me and my co-host were all over for this past week was Isaiah Pacheco's over on the carries, which was 14 and a half. It was the very last snap of the game that we still had to sweat out. Carry yeah. number 15, and for a while he was averaging oh, eight, I was nine right yards. There. I was right there with the you, game. Cody, sweating. Oh, Ugh. it was awful, awful. It, yeah, w- way too much. So he does have 16 or more carries, more times in the second half than in the first half, by a lot, more than double. So they are using him more, but you do have to still fear the, like, Andy Reid game that is, nah, I'm okay. I don't care about the run game. He just forget about it every once in a while. I just think they have to use Pacheco because these teams have shortened the games. And I think the Chiefs are better off playing that kind of game too. They might as well shorten it too and just see who can do more with five possessions. Yeah, what do you think about the total in this game? Open 46, we're down to 44 and a half. Two really good defenses. Kansas City, a really good defense. I mean, Spags is a defensive genius. And I know they kind of got bullied like the first three quarters against Buffalo, but then in the fourth quarter, really in the whole second half, they stopped the run. What do you think about this total now that it's tipped to 44 and a half? So I liked it better at 46, I'll be honest. But I still think that that's a, I still think that that's a number that I would, I'd be flirting with the under. I think the chiefs have only allowed seven points or less in every second half in seven consecutive games. So three zeros, seven, a couple of times, six, a few times, right. But they don't let up second half points. And I know Baltimore's got the number one scoring offense, number two scoring offense, but they're shutting down everybody. And I think that that's like, okay, no more Zay Flowers. What does their offense look like if they've just got to rely on Odell Beckham? He's got five catches in his last four games. So unless Mark Andrews is going to come right off of the injury tree, and we don't know he's going to play, and immediately have some big offensive output, I think that this game is a lot lower scoring than last week. I think as that game got into the 20s, this game wouldn't surprise me if it ended 17-14, 21-17, somewhere in that range. So I'd still be near the under. I would just feel less good about it than when it originally came out. Now, I know you said you mentioned Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, and Travis Kelsey as the three offensive weapons, obviously, that you know you can count on for the Chiefs. You were on this show a while ago, and it's always stuck with me. You pointed out those low numbers for receivers and just trying yeah. to target one or two props. You know, like, you're looking at 11, 12, 13 receiving yards, whatever the case is. If you got to pick one, who would it be? Who would you target outside of that big three as a pass catcher? Watson this week. Um, I'm just mm. rotating through for the most part, right? That's how I end up choosing <laughs> them sometimes. 
I think some would be easy for someone to be like, well, MVS is coming off a big game. What do I think? MVS is making that contested catch two weeks in a row? No, no. Watson's the same as MVS, in fairness. He will maybe get one or two catches, but it's going to be for 20 or more yards. So if you're just taking a low total and saying, whose number can I go over? It's him. And he is the forgotten man in the offense. He's been a lot quieter lately because of what they've done with Rice and others which is how they're going to try to take advantage of it. I think the the Baltimore secondary is so good. Kyle Hamilton's so good. They probably can slow down Travis Kelsey more than other teams can because they've got the actual personnel, which means they're going to need some ancillary secondary wide receiver to at least step up a little bit. I'd take a shot on Justin Watson this week just because they finally had some big play, but yeah, I almost don't think you can go wrong. Like if you wanted to put all the names in a hat and just be like, eh, is it Watson or MVS or McColl? You're probably fine. The only difference with McColl is he doesn't run a route past five yards. So if you're thinking you can get all the yardage in one play, you might as well go with the other two. So right now, Justin Watson, Ryan, a 14 and a half receiving yards, minus 120 to the under, under minus 120 to the over. MVS, 13 and a half, uh, minus 120 to the over there. So You know who I think two. might have a couple catches, and you could tell me if I'm crazy here, Cody, and don't bet this at all. <laughs> but you know, like the reason I was talking about this early on in the show, I was listening to the Kelsey podcast, and he was talking about Hardman and – Travis was like, man, yeah. I missed my block, and I feel terrible. He's going to have a big game coming up this week. And we know, like, Pat always picks his teammates up. Do you think there's a chance that maybe Andy does look to get him some touches in this game after what went down last week? Because I tweeted immediately. I was like, Hardman's never going to see the field again. <laughs> but that's not how the Chiefs roll, man. That's not how Andy Reid rolls. Any chance? I mean, it's a short number. He needs two catches. Any chance that he no, gets it's... that or he's involved in the offense? I wouldn't rule it out. So here's here's why I said I wouldn't rule it out. They gave him VS three months to fail. <laughs> they gave him time yeah. and time again. One mistake didn't get him down. I, the thing that we always thought, the reason why McColl would be involved in some way was in week 18, when they benched everyone else, they had McColl Hardman, who was coming fresh off the IR or the IL. They had him play 100% of the snaps, which meant they wanted to get a feel for it too. No more Tony, no more Sky. So those like two, three, four missing targets in the offense, they find McColl. And the catches thing is a better way to play than the yardage for him just because you got a better shot of them throwing it short of the sticks and finding him a couple of times than anywhere else. The biggest problem the Chiefs have with some of those catch totals is what you saw last week, which is look how many less plays they ran to Buffalo because teams, again, are having 10, 12, 14 play drives. They're not possessing it as long. So sometimes they don't have enough targets to justify going to McColl. I just wonder how that'll go depending on how well Baltimore runs the ball. They're obviously a great run offense. We don't doubt that, but... I still think the Chiefs can do some things better than they did last week, especially if Willie Gay plays. Talking to Cody Tapp, Bet MGM tonight. Yeah, we talk about that run defense for the Chiefs. That it, look, this has been the best defense that they've had under Patrick Mahomes. But we know that that the run defense specifically can can be exploited, and we know that that's a Ravens' strength. How much of a concern is the Ravens' run game for you against specifically the Chiefs' run defense? Knowing that you know your secondary is much more of a strength there. Yeah, the run defense is mediocre. It's the only bad part of their team, which is, uh, you know, defensively. It's the only weakness. So, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I worry about it against one of the best running offenses in the NFL? But so for the middle part of the season, the numbers that put them at league average, that was when they were missing part of their linebacker crew. They were missing Nick Bolton, and then they were missing Willie Gay for different stretches of time. They said today that there was no structural damage for Willie Gay. He tried to get back in the game last week, so I'm kind of assuming he's going to find a way out in the field on Sunday, even though... He didn't practice today. So I think that there are more things they could do. The missing piece that won't play is Derek Nottie. 
He's one of the best run li- run stuffing defensive linemen. So look, they're going to get something out of it. The run game's going to work to a point with Baltimore. But what they did with Buffalo is how they can still win separate from that, which is if you take a running offense, you just let them run it all the time, kind of like that. They sometimes have a hard time restarting the pass once Mahomes put him, puts them behind. So if you're in the fourth quarter and you have to fire up the passing game again, I don't think Buffalo could ever find it. They never found the rhythm again because of that. And I think there's a weird advantage in that by forcing a team to just be one-sided if you can be a good red zone defense team, which the Chiefs have been. Let them go down there just as long as you keep them out of the end zone. Yeah, this game's going to be awesome. What are your thoughts on the NFC Championship game? Bigger spread, obviously. Lions, seven-point dogs. Total in the game, 51. Um, San Francisco, the huge favorite. Minus 350 on the money line. What do you like in the NFC Championship game? I mean, the 49ers have been one of the best teams all year. But they're no... Like, I think we talk about them like they're not different than the other four teams remaining. In which, there was a stretch during the season for all four of these teams that we're like, are we sure they got it? Are we, are we sure the Lions had that stretch? The Chiefs absolutely had that stretch. But so did the Ravens. The Ravens had, I mean, they were losing to the Colts and Dorian Thompson Robinson. And you're like, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if that's the squad, right? You didn't think for sure that that was them. The 49ers lost three straight games against not very good teams. They just throttled Miami, a team that we all considered frauds. And then that San Francisco win. That San Francisco win when, um, you know, Baltimore took it to them. That to me, coupled with last week, makes me think San Francisco's not as strong as everyone thinks they are. I I like the spread for Detroit for sure. I'd be tempted by the money line. It's supposed to be 70 and sunny. If there's one thing we know about Jared Goff is that if it's nice outside or he's inside, he's going to play some pretty yeah. good football. I you know, I, if it's 70 and sunny, I assume he can hang with Brock Purdy, which is still another thing we don't know by the way. He had a good regular season. Brock Purdy's played in like one and a half postseason games. Uh, you know, like that's not enough for me to just feel like Sure, they're good for a touchdown. I like the spread for sure, but I'd be tempted to take them straight up. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I think we all can relate to being happy when it's 70 and sunny. So I don't think uh, Jared Goff is alone in that. Got about a minute left, Cody. Your thoughts on uh, Jim Harbaugh taking the Chargers job? Man, you know what? I was a little bit worried that national pundits were going to find a reason to pick the Chargers to win the AFC West this year. And yet, Harbaugh (laughs) showing up. I'm done. Honestly, I feel a little bit, you'd mentioned New Heights earlier. I feel a little bit like Travis when he got asked about Bill Belichick and he was like, well, I don't want a good coach here. Harbaugh's a good coach. I would have preferred they hired some offensive coordinator they thought was good who eventually fell flat on their face. Harbaugh will get wins. He's won anywhere he's ever been. But unless he can untap the offense that hasn't been untapped with Justin Herbert and solve $44 million in negative cap, he's still going to be behind the eight ball in Chargers, at least for LA for a few years. Yeah, listen, Kansas City, no matter what, shows us every single year when you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid, always in the mix, every single time. Cody Tapp, 610 Sports, Kansas City. Great to talk to you again, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I wonder what it's like to cover the Chiefs, like just on a daily basis, to talk about this team and know that. Now, I know, like when we had Jeff on earlier, Jeff Feinberg on earlier, right? Chiefs fans panicking this year. You think that all is lost. You're so used to seeing the success. Yeah. Here they are again in the AFC Championship game. Every single year, no matter what. And we even said, right, get, heading into the postseason, I was like, is this year we maybe don't get to say the trust in Mahomes? No, never mind. It's, it's, it's still good. I don't want to name any names, but we did have right. some people that came on. And we're like, I think a good bet is the Chiefs to miss the playoffs. And I was like, I well, don't. Well, that person was uh, wrong, I would say. I think Ostrowski actually said that, too. Was I it? name any names. I'm oh. going to text him and You ask should him. text Joe O right now. No, you know what? He said that last year. And they okay. Won, what did they do last year? Oh, though? they won the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah. It's Bet MGM tonight.